are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Psalm chapter 119, and we'll begin reading in verse number 17. Psalm 119 and verse number 17. I'll get straightened out here with all these wires. Psalm 119 and verse number 17. We'll read this section of Scripture here down through verse number 24. Psalm 119, verse number 17. The Bible says, if you'll follow along with me as I read, deal bountifully with thy servant that I may live and keep thy word. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. I am a stranger in the earth. Hide not my my commandment from me. My soul breaketh for the longing that it hath under thy judgments at all times. Thou hast rebuked the proud that are cursed, which do err from thy commandments. Remove from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept thy testimonies. Princes also did sit and speak against me, but thy servant did meditate in thy statutes. Thy testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. Look with me, if you would, in verse number 19. I'm going to preach a message tonight on this thought. Don't just survive the journey, but thrive in God's world. Don't just survive the journey, thrive in God's world. Look at what the psalmist says in verse number 19. He says, I am a stranger in the earth. Hide not thy commandments from me. Let's pray together tonight. Father, we do thank you for another opportunity to be in your house. And God, I pray that you might bless tonight as the word of God is preached. And I pray that your Holy Spirit, Lord, would move throughout the house tonight and convict the hearts of men and women, boys and girls, Lord, of areas that we need to change, draw closer to you. Lord, I pray that you would encourage the heart that needs to be encouraged, challenged, and strengthen the one that needs challenging tonight. Lord, I pray that as we end this year in your house, Lord, what a remarkable place to be in. And Lord, what a wonderful goal to have to be in your house tonight. Lord, but I pray that it simply would not be that we are here out of habit and just bodily. Lord, but we might give attention to the Holy Spirit and we might give attention to the Word of God as it's preached tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I was reading and studying this portion of Psalm 119, I couldn't help but think of a few songs that we sing on a regular basis that are in our hymnal that this passage of Scripture reminded me of, especially verse number 19, I am a stranger in the earth. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. And Psalm 119, verse number 19, makes it clear tonight, and we have to understand for the message's purpose tonight, that we are living in God's world. We are living on God's time frame, we are breathing God's air, and we are living at God's pleasure. This does not belong to us. This world does not belong to us, even the blessings of this life, the spiritual blessings of this life, even this church building tonight does not belong to us. Even as in contrary as society and some would say tonight, we aren't even going to destroy this world. This creation belongs to the Creator. And just as it is with marriage or raising our children for God or our church, 
If we're going to be successful tonight at living in this world and not just surviving the journey, well, I pray tonight we would get a hold of the realization and the understanding that we need the help of the one who designed it. We need the help of the creator of this creation in order to live a life in this next year, in 2020, as we close out 2019, of being able to not just survive the journey, but thriving through it all. I don't know about you, but I don't want to get to the end of my life and wonder if I accomplished anything. Amen. That ought to be a, a healthy fear of every child of God. Right. I don't want to lay in my last few years or last few moments of my life and kind of just wonder and kind of just lift up my hands and wonder if I made a difference in this life spiritually or for eternity's sake. I don't want to get to the end of my life and feel like for a, a, a feeling of relief and just say, whew, I made it. No, there ought to be an aspect in our Christian life of realizing that God desires for us to thrive in this life and in this world where God has placed us. The Bible describes that we are we're pilgrims. We're strangers. Our life is exemplified by the life of Abraham who lived in tents, even though he was in the promised land, the place that God said was yours and your families and your descendants, and it was their inheritance, and I'm giving it to you. And he called Abraham out of that, out of that land of the earth, the Chaldees, and he says, I'm going I'm to send you to a place where you know not, but I want you to follow me. And Abraham followed God by faith, and the Bible says he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker was God. But everywhere we find in the book of Genesis, Abraham always set up tents signifying that it was temporary, <laughs> signifying that this world was not his home. Amen. Oh, I want to challenge you tonight as God's people, don't, don't, don't pound your stakes too deep Amen. in this world. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, these all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off, were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, oh, many of God's people tonight are mindful of the country from whence they've been called out. And because we are mindful and we find ourselves mindful of the country from whence we've been called out, we are tempted to go back to that. But the Bible says if truly they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. Oh, but now they desire a better country. That is in heavenly. Amen. Wherefore, Amen. look at this, wherefore God is not ashamed. Is God ashamed to be called your God tonight? The Bible says, oh, that those that were not ashamed, those that were not mindful of the place where they were called out of, those that looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker was God, God said that God was not ashamed to be called their God. And the Bible says he hath prepared for them a city. What's it going to take for you tonight and me, not just to survive the journey, but thrive in this world where God has placed us in 2020? Are you thriving right now? Would you have to say, are you, are you, are you thriving? Could you honestly say, in the Holy Spirit, He's the only one that would know. But could you honestly say tonight, I'm, I'm coming to church on the last Sunday night of, uh, of 2019, and I, I, am, I am thriving in the Christian life, or I'm just barely sliding through them and, and making it. Many of God's people come home at the end of the day. Many come home at the end of the week, 
and collapse and they feel beat down and, and beat up. I'm not saying there's not going to be difficult days because we are dealing, for the most part, with a lost world. But oh, as God's people tonight, we ought to have a joy, we ought to have an understanding, and we ought to have a realization that comes out in our life and our face when we talk to this lost and dying world that we are on the winning side. And yes, there are going to be difficult days. Yes, there will be hard days. But God didn't intend for us to live a life of defeat down here and then all of a sudden be on the victory side up in heaven. No, what does the Bible say? The Bible says faith is the victory that overcometh the world, the world in which we live. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. What do we need to have to thrive in God's world? As we enter this new year, although it can be a new year and it can be a year of new things, it was even mentioned this morning, and it's oftentimes brought about to us that when that clock strikes 12.01 on Wednesday morning, that it is a, it is a new year, and there's sort of a, a freshness about it. Yeah, we start a, a, a new diet. We start a new Bible reading program. Maybe we'll even buy a new Bible, and we get new commitments and all those types of things. But I want to look at it maybe just address it for a little bit different aspect tonight. Although all that new things can take place, history bears record that all of the circumstances that have happened last year are going to happen again this year. We just don't know who they're going to happen to. Some will lose their jobs this year. Some will have financial increase like they've never had before. Some will have great health this year, but some will find out that they had health problems carrying over from last year, and it's revealed in 2020 that they never knew of. You see, history bears itself that circumstances are always a change, always the same, but many times as God's people, we allow those to dictate our life, not realizing not, and not living, from the, not living from the understanding that we serve a knowing God in an unknown year. What's it going to take for you and I to thrive in this world? Look in verse number 17. I want to show you things throughout this passage. First of all, we see there must of all be a proper goal. First of all, a proper goal. Look at what the psalmist says in verse number 19. He says, deal bountifully with thy servant. And notice this, that, or for the purpose of, that I may live and keep thy word. That's David's goal. David is asking for God to deal bountifully with him. And we might say tonight, boy, that sounds like a wonderful goal. That sounds like a good deal with, to, to me. God, deal bountifully with me. God, give me the things that I need. God, God, supply my every need. And God, take care of me and my family. Well, but when you read the passage, you find out that David was seeking from God. What he was seeking from God was not physical sustenance. What David was seeking from God was not financial ease. The bounty David desired was not gain, but it was spiritual in nature, and it was for spiritual reasons. Notice the Bible says here, David says in verse number 17, that I may live and keep thy word. The Bible says wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished. The Bible says labor not to be rich. The Bible talks about wealth that has its wings in it, and it flies away. 
You want to know where our bounty lies tonight and where David's bountiful blessings that he was asking God to supply continually. Our bounty lies tonight in the fact that God has dealt with us in a merciful way and that God has dealt with us in a gracious way, not judging us for what we deserve and not giving us a, a home forever in the lake of fire. But God has mercifully saved our wretched soul and he continues to do so and grant us mercies every morning. The Bible says in Lamentations chapter 3, our the mercies of God are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Just think tonight if God were to quit dealing bountifully with us, we would not just have blessings, but we simply would not have life. We would not have the breath of life. What do I need to do here? I'm going to cut it off. David's goal wasn't to get gain in this world, he wasn't placed in this world for that reason. Listen to me tonight, you and I weren't placed in this world for that reason either. David's goal was to live for God, and his goal was to keep. Notice what he says, his goal was to keep God's Word. I want to challenge you with this understanding tonight. The only real living that ever takes place in the life of the child of God is that when you and I are keeping God's Word. Amen. That's when real living takes place. Yep. Oh, this world says I'll live and I'll do these things and I'll do these things outside of God's will and I'll do these things outside of church and I'll do these things outside of the will of God. But the only real living that ever takes place in the child of God is when we live and we keep God's word. What's your goal in life tonight? We're in God's world. God has saved us. I was just always of the persuasion since I was saved and I surrendered to God, my goals ought to be different then. I began to understand very clearly as a teenager that I was bought with a price. Amen. That's what redeemed means. That I was bought with a price and so therefore I should not glorify Myself, I should not glorify this world. I certainly shouldn't glorify the devil. But I was to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ in my body and in my spirit, which are God's. Don't you think your goals ought to be different when one day you're going to heaven and the next day, before you're going to hell, the next day you're going to heaven? Amen. Our goals ought to be Amen. different. The things that drive us, the things that, that uh, uh, create a, a passion in our life to do something, especially when one person paid for our sins for us. But so many times we get tunnel vision concerning our work or our career. And we forget that the job that God has given you, and I'm speaking from the perspective and from the aspect of a pastor who is, has been blessed and honored to be in the full-time Christian service. But I'm also speaking to you from the aspect of someone who's worked in the workforce as well. So many times you can get tunnel vision and you can get totally consumed with the career that God has given you and we forget that the job that God has given you, yes, it is a means to survive, but the real reason is that we are here to thrive spiritually. All that God has given you, all that God has blessed you with is just a means to allow you to serve God in the way that He would have you to. God has been so good to us. God has been bountiful to us. And realizing that we are to live, and oh, get a hold of this, I mean really live spiritually and to keep His Word. You realize tonight that life, whether it be 20 years, 30 years, 70 years, 95 years, life, your life, is an opportunity to obey God in this 
world. Praise the Lord. Yes, sir. In this world, Amen. there will be no opportunities to choose between right and wrong in heaven. There will be no opportunities to give to an offering, to pay off a debt, to run a bus route, to deal with someone at the altar, to knock on someone's door and tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ and what He's done for them. There will be no opportunities for that. This life that you are living and I'm living right now is a chance and an opportunity to obey God in this world. Titus 2.13 says we're to live soberly because of that. We're to live righteously and we're to live godly in this present world. So notice David didn't ask to live so that he could grow rich and live and be married. He wanted to live and keep God's word. Don't just survive the journey. Thrive in God's world. We see there needs to be a proper goal, but look with me in verse number 18. There needs to be good eyesight. He says, Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Reminds me of that song we sing, Open my eyes that I may see. Glimpses of truth thou hast for me. Place in my hands a wonderful key that shall unclasp and set me free. Silently now I wait for thee. Ready, my God, thy will to be. Open my eyes. Illumine me, spirit divine. How's your eyesight tonight? Verse number 18, that phrase that David speaks of there, he says, open mine eyes. That literally means unveil my eyes. When I think of that, I can't help but think about the New Testament account of the, uh, Saul, soon to be the Apostle Paul when he was saved on the road to Damascus there. He travels to Damascus on that, on that donkey with letters in his hand and authority in his hand to persecute the church of the living God. He believed he thought he was doing God a, a favor and he thought he was serving the God of heaven by arresting these people by the name of so-called Christians who lived in them in the way of Christ. And as he's traveling there to Damascus with the purpose of wreaking havoc upon the church of God, that light shines from heaven and brings Saul down off of his donkey, his mule, and knocks him to the ground, blinds him. And Saul says, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? We know the story how he goes to the house of Ananias, and the Bible says he touches him and he receives his sight. And the Bible says immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received his sight forthwith. Paul's cure of physical blindness, I believe, is a good picture of our cure for spiritual blindness. He was cured from that, and what do we find Saul? Saul goes on after he's cured from that physical blindness, and he goes on and he serves the Lord. Throughout the rest of his life, he continually has the attitude of, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? God, do you want me to go to Macedonia? God, do you want me to go to Ephesus, Corinth, Jerusalem, Rome, wherever it might be? God, what wilt thou have me to do? You see, the opening of our eyes, having spiritual, clear vision, ought to have the same effect. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? God, what do you want from me? It ought to wake us up. It ought to illuminate us and Give us spiritual eyes to see spiritual reality. Because you and I, by nature, we're blind. By nature, you and I, many times, if we aren't careful, our first inclination is to see things from man's perspective. Because as spiritual as we can be, we're still made of flesh and bone. 
Until we receive our glorified body in heaven, we still struggle. We still have sometimes a natural mind. We still think about the things of this world from a natural man's perspective. Oh, but when we allow God to open our eyes and give us spiritual eyes, we're able to see things that are too wonderful. Yes, sir. As Brother Cooper preached a message this morning, when we see with spiritual eyes, we're able to see that sometimes God meant it for good. Those things that we would have never said before were good. Have you ever noticed as you're driving what's on your side view mirror? As some of you never look in your rear view mirror, you just drive. But we're supposed to look in our mirrors. If you notice on the side view of your mirror, it says objects and mirror are closer than they appear. Why do they tell you that? Have you thought about it? It's a, it's a warning. Why? Because your reaction and your response is based upon what's in your vision. Now, if I think I've got plenty of room to change lanes, I'm going to casually merge over, maybe not even put my blinker on. But if I see something there in my, in my side view mirror and I notice that warning of objects are closer than they appear, many times I'm going to be more cautious, many times I'm going to do it maybe more rapidly because I see that I understand that warning. And listen to me tonight, many Christians find themselves in a wreck today because they're looking at everything with physical eyes instead of the spiritual warning of God's Word. They're looking at things with physical eyes, if, you, if we could say tonight, with scales upon them. But if we had spiritual vision, we would see the dangers that we are supposed to see. We would see the things that we are supposed to be cautious of, as well as the things that would make us rejoice when normally we wouldn't rejoice. But we're able to see things with spiritual vision. We live and we react to things based upon the glass or the perception that we're looking through. Well, you can take a, a bottle, a Coke bottle, look at a glass and look at somebody through it and sometimes, depending upon the glass and depending upon the, uh, the refraction of light, some people can look pretty scary. And sometimes, life can look pretty scary based upon the glass you're looking through. You and I continue to look through this world and the events of this world and circumstances of life with physical eyes, with a physical glass, it can get awfully scary. How good your eyesight tonight? Do you have spiritual eyes that allow you to see things from God's perspective so that you're able to act accordingly in a way that would allow you to have a good testimony, in a way that would allow you to maintain your, your stand for God's Word and be pleasing to Him? We're going to need a proper goal. We're going to need good eyesight. But we're going to need, look with me in verse number 19 and 20, a desire to be home. A desire to be home. David says in verse number 19, I am a stranger in the earth. Hide not thy commandments from me. My soul breaketh for the longing that it hath under thy judgments at all times. Have you ever been a stranger in some place? If you've ever moved around or if you've ever traveled, you've, you've had that feeling of being a stranger. Many times if you're in the airport, sometimes you can look around and just when you begin to understand the mass of people that are around you, you're thinking, I'm a stranger in this place. And I, I'm really the, the only one here. And you're, you begin to think things. And sometimes when you're in a strange place, it's a, very, it's a very alone feeling. And sometimes being in a strange place wants, us, wants to make us be around people and things that you know even more so than before. It makes you appreciate family. It makes you appreciate familiar things. 
Well, I'm thankful for God's people tonight in here. I'm thankful for God's people. Maybe when you go visit a church on vacation, you stand and maybe a, a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching, independent, fundamental Baptist church, and the Spirit of God bears witness with your spirit, and there is a, there is a comfort there that all you, although you may not be around familiar things, you're not alone. But David is saying here, notice what he says in verse number 19. He's saying, I'm a stranger. I'm not native-born. Now you might say, hold on a second, he, he, he's the king. I mean, we're, we're, we're talking about Jesse here. He was born in Bethlehem right there. Uh, Jesse's his father. He has a capital and a palace and everything set up in the city of Jerusalem. Oh yeah, I, I know. But he says, I'm a sojourner. I'm just a stranger here. That word sojourner literally means a dweller, but not outlandish. Especially as distinguished from a native citizen and a temporary inmate, a mere lodger, resident alien, foreigner, inhabitant, sojourner, stranger. David, I think if we could maybe say tonight he was singing, this world is not my home. Amen. I'm just passing through. Amen. And since this world was not his home, this world was not where he was from, David is saying he was in desperate need of the roadmap of God's commandments in order to find his way back home. And can I say to you tonight as God's people, as a membership of North Valley Baptist Church, you'll never make it home without God's word. Oh, if you're saved tonight, you'll be in heaven, but 1 Corinthians 3 tells us, yet so as by fire. And it'll be a rough journey. You'll make it home if you're saved. You're saved by the blood of the Lamb and nothing can change that. Oh, but I tell you tonight, if you don't stick to the roadmap of God's Word, it will not be living. It will not be thriving. It will not be victorious. You'll survive the journey, but you won't be thriving in God's world. The Word of God is the map for the Christian in this place that is not home. Sometimes when my family and I, when we travel I sometimes, and it's even more so now, feel so lost and so dependent upon a GPS or cell phone. And my wife helps me navigate. I remember almost 14 years ago when we began traveling on deputation to start a, a church there in Corpus Christi. Uh, we had a map, and it was about this tall and about this narrow folded up, and it was leather-bound. And uh, you turn through it through the states, and uh, we would highlight the routes, and, and it sounds like I'm 60 years old. Uh, but that was what we had. And I remember, I remember a couple of months into it, uh, I think it was Microsoft put out this little GPS chip you could plug into the USB port on your laptop and lay it up on the dashboard. And then you could have a GPS route on your laptop. And man, we thought that was something to be able to do that. Half the time it didn't work, but it was, it was, it was neat. Today, it seems like everything is Siri. What do I need to do? Tell me this way. Tell me that way. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm so dependent upon that. She says, you've got to go in two and a half miles, turn this way, and then that'll be exit number 355, and at 355, turn left and stay to the left, and then five miles down will be such and such hotel or whatever it might be. By the time she gets through, I don't know about you, but I am, I am more lost than I was <laughs> trying to remember all of the numbers and the directions she gave me. But I tell you this, when I go back home and I drive on the back roads, I could take you to the same place five different ways. I feel like it's, uh, I know those roads like the back of my hand. But if you and I don't depend upon the road map of God's word while we're sojourning, listen tonight, we're going to get lost. 
Why do you think so many Christians get confused and turn from God? Why do you think so many people go off into, into false doctrine? Why do you think so many homes are, are completely devastated and turned upside down tonight? It's because they've lost the roadmap. They've quit following God's roadmap. They started acting, get this, they started acting like they were home. And they got comfortable that they could get around just fine without the roadmap. They got comfortable, and even I would say a little bit prideful. Just as sure as I travel home on those back roads, you know, the ones that I say that I know like the back of my hand, just as sure as I come up on a curve or a corner, they put a stop sign that wasn't there, they put a bridge in that wasn't there, or they changed the county road sign to something else. And I'm thinking, where in the world am I? But people today in God's house get comfortable when they're traveling through this life Listen, in this world, that is not home. And we get prideful thinking, well, I know how to handle this situation. We get prideful thinking, well, I'm, I'm comfortable with this. I've, I've handled it before, and I've got pretty good at it. And we, we think we know where the road is going, and all of a sudden we find ourselves away from God, and there's a curve that wasn't there before, and we're flat on our back. Heaven is our home. This world is just an inn. This world is just a, the land of our pilgrimage. Think about it. David was a man that knew all about this world. He was as well known in this world, and he still is as well known in this world as almost any man. God built a house for him. God made his name great. He established his throne. Strangers submitted to him. People that, that didn't even know him served him. He had a great name, but he called himself. He said, I'm just a stranger. So could I ask you tonight, who am I? Who are you to act as if this is all that there is and to act as if this is our home? We're in need of a guide, a comforter, a, a guard, a, a companion. If we're going to thrive in God's world, we'd better get a healthy homesickness for where we belong, and it's not this world. Look at me in verse number 21. We see next, he says, Thou hast rebuked the proud that are cursed which do err from thy commandments. Remove from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept thy testimonies. We find next what it's going to take is a humble walk. David sees and realizes there that God blesses and deals bountifully with the humble, and he says God curses, verse number 21, the wicked and the proud. A proud person comes up against God, and maybe not so much tonight the, the way that we would automatically first of all think of it, and, and shaking their fist in God's, in God's face and saying, no, I'm not going to do what you said. I'm not going to be what you told me to be. But many times a proud shakes their fist in, in God's hands simply in the way that they do not consider God in their life. They go about in their life making choices, making decisions, without considering the will of God in the matter. They simply ignore God. They do not submit to His way. A proud person is always high up on themselves and their accomplishments. And In fact, they'll tell you about it if, if you ask them for it. But the, David says here, as they are high on themselves, God curses them. David is taking notice of these people, and it makes him want to walk with God more closely. 
David doesn't want to even be guilty by association. He wants to stay away from them as possible. And in verse number one, David even refers to himself as a servant. Well, the moment we get away from God is the way, as, as the only way to thrive in this world, is the moment we've placed ourselves outside of the blessings of God and outside of the, the, the umbrella of protection of God's Word. It's nothing less than a, than a prideful act to think that we can truly live in God's world and be bountiful outside of God's mercy. We see in verse number 23, lastly, and I'll close, we see there must be a resilient character. The Bible says, Princes also did sit and speak against me, but thy servant did meditate in thy statutes. Thy testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. David had his friends. We can read and study scripture about David's mighty men. David was powerful. But David also had his enemies. Even at one point in David's life, a prince, his own son, by the name of Absalom, sought to destroy him, sought to, sought to kill him and overthrow him. But the Bible says when David faced these types of mean men, David says his own testimony from his own mouth is that notice he says in verse number 23, he meditated upon the word of God even more. I want to challenge you tonight, when people turn away from you, don't let it make you turn away from the only thing that is going to help you. But many people do. Many people, for some reason, for whatever reason in their life, when people turn on them, when people turn away from them, when someone says something against them, when things don't go the way they thought they should go, they turn away from the only help that they'll ever have in this life. They turn away from God. And how sad it is. There will be times because of your stand for the Word of God personally, and because of our stand for the Word of God as a church, that we will pay a price. And when that price presents itself, it's always tempting to second-guess it and say, is it really worth it? Is it really worth it? I mean, that, that sure does cost a lot. There'll be some of you that are tempted to say, I just lost a promotion because of my stand for Christ on the job site. There'll be some that say, well, we just lost a church member because of our stand for the doctrines of the Word of God faithfully. But all the success, listen, and all the ease in the world is not worth selling your conscience. There have been times in my life when I surrendered to preach from a secular job in a secular career that I was looking forward to. There are some that have said that I would have lost out on this world because of what I'm doing for Christ. There have been times when I pastored, and there have been times I know in this church over the last 44 years that people would have said, you know what, they've lost out as a church because they hold to the doctrines of the Word of God Amen. that are very clear in Scripture. Amen. But when it comes down to it, who's lost? And who has lost? It isn't we who have kept our conscience and belief intact. Those that have lost are those that have betrayed their conscience and those that have gone against what they said they once believed. Well, tonight I want to challenge you that a resilient character is required. If you're going to go throughout this next year of 2020 and not just survive and not just, not just skate through at the end of next year and they come, into, come into December you know, with, with a, a ragged and, and sweat on your brow and saying, man, we, we, we barely made it through. No, there's going to have to be a resilient character if you're going to thrive in God's world. People will mock you. Some people might not understand you. 
And that's when David, as his testimony is, we rely more and more on the Word of God and the comfort of the Word of God. David knew, read the Psalms, David knew over and over and over, First and Second Samuel, hope thou in God. Hope thou in God. Hope thou in God. David knew how to comfort himself in the Word of God because guess what? There are going to be times in your life when people are not a comfort to you. There's going to be times in your life where you tell somebody something and you seem and you feel like Job that no man cared for my soul. And you're going to have to find comfort in the Word of God. You're going to have to have a resilient character. But I want to challenge you, if you want God's Word to be your comfort and delight, you've got to live by it. You've got to follow it. Because God's Word is no comfort to the Christian who doesn't intend to live by it. We can't just pick it up after years and years and months and months of not reading it, not living by it, not trusting it, not obeying it, and then say all of a sudden, I need comfort. Where's God? It's going to be awfully hard to find. It's for the Christian who is steady, who is resilient. Could you honestly say tonight that you're thriving in this world? Only the Holy Spirit knows. But in your own heart, could you say, this year I have thrived. This year, man, it's been great and God has been good and that God is good regardless of it, but I've, I've thrived in my Christian life. I've seen, I've seen mountaintops like I've never seen before. God has dealt with me. God has spoke with me. The Holy Spirit is, is, has grown me. Or would you have to admit tonight that you're just, you're just kind of surviving the journey? And you're saying, well, here's another year that's gone by. And now we're looking forward to 2020. What really is 2020? It's a new decade. It's a new year, but we'll just survive this one too. God's plan is for us to live and to keep his word. That involves thriving. That involves growth. That involves making an impact. What are your goals tonight? How's your eyesight? Do you ever get homesick? Or have you gotten comfortable thinking, I'm home already? Well, we ought to constantly be looking and acting as if we are pilgrims and strangers. We're to walk humbly as a servant. And we're to realize not everyone is going to be happy with you for making and taking a strong stand for God's Word. But if we do, David says, God's Word itself will be the comfort that you need. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.